welcome to another episode of 10x hacks for startup and venture success uh, i'm your host vida patil and today we are uh, very fortunate to have with us from india uh, my very dear friend uh, uh, who goes back uh, to my school days uh, uttam ramamurthy uh, he works for cerner corporation as a director and principal engineer and what's exciting about uttam's profile which i really liked is he is at the forefront of cutting edge ai research in india and uh, you know collaborating with a lot of cross border opportunities i think, uh, I think uh, you might be using a phone right like that's having a lot of ai gadgets which you don't even know like you are using it and uh, i'm pretty sure now most of them have either alexa or a google bot and yeah. i am very excited that my daughter doesn't even know to read and write but she can use a google assistant india is one of the largest and upcoming economies in the world and uh, a lot of uh, uh, creative novel frugal innovation is uh, happening there uh, and the adoption of technology has increased pace with the current governance so i believe that right from a personal point of view if i show value to you to any consumer i mean to say if i showcase how your life can be better if you adopt the new changes which i'm talking about there's not there's no it's not going to be a resistance for it it's just that uh, that clarity yeah. that understanding of what we are trying to make them adopt is needed and that's where um, explainability is coming to a bigger picture wherein if i say that uh, this patient is a high risk for diabetes right that is just one statement nobody believes me but if i say that these are their vitals which are driving my prediction to say that they might become um, the level 1 level 2 level 3 right diabetics for that part of it it gives a lot more confidence for the physician to take my suggestion a lot of good things are happening on the ai front i i saw his amazing blog on next generation of ai platforms uh, in india and coming from cerner i was so curious and excited to hear from him so uh, without further ado let's welcome uttam ramoti hello uttam hey vida it's been a long time and it's great talking back to you then awesome thank you uh, is there anything else you want to tell about yourself to the audience which i missed out about your past career experience and how you got here sure i think uh, i have been in the it industry for nearly 18 years now so i've been um, uh, lucky enough to have worked in different geographies so i worked in germany uh, creating a platform for the uh, Toshiba laptops so that was one good experience then i i came and i worked in us for 5 years where we created a platform for uh, disease management and healthy living kind of a healthcare uh, device platform then i went back to india for some time uh, had been a lot in uk i was uh, creating a sterilization platform for them so a lot of my experience has been in building platforms for different domains so healthcare is definitely one of my core areas where i have worked for nearly 10 years and i'm still working right now and it's an interesting space to be in and i right now i'm working on ai and uh, i think i see a lot of scope and uh, great things to come out of it for the healthcare 
uh, you start off your blog with the with the topic increasing rate of AI adoption. So what did what exactly do you mean by rate of AI adoption and why is it important at this time, especially in India? What is happening in India according to you? Yeah, I think uh, the reason why I talk about it is uh, from a holistic point of view, AI is not new, right? It's been in the industry for ages now, like decades. And uh, it has gone through its swings. It has seen upswing, then it has seen a downswing because of the limitations we had at different times of uh, uh, timelines that we have been through. But now it's really important because I think if you look at the history of it, uh, infra was one of the key areas where it was lacking. Compute was very costly and AI, even though it was very useful, it was not able to reach the scale it wanted to be. Now right. with the cloud, right, coming into the whole picture and the compute being really cheap, right? Like right. you can uh, gigabytes, petabytes, terabytes of data pretty cheap right now. And uh, AI works on data. So now with the intersection of technology coming to a scale, and having the capabilities of AI and ML maturing over the years, like we have the neural networks, deep neural, deep neural networks, which are being used across in different domains. It's a great time to be in wherein I feel that we can be successful right now, integrate both of these two technologies and providing some great solutions to the user and making a difference. I, and that's the reason why I feel the timing and uh, the technology is great right now. And uh, right. not just that, right? I think uh, you might be using a phone, right? Like that's having a lot of AI gadgets which you don't even know, like you are using it. And uh, I'm pretty sure now most of them have either Alexa or a Google bot. And yeah. I'm very excited that my daughter doesn't even know to read and write, but she can use a Google Assistant or Alexa bot to actually interact and gain knowledge from it and learn from that. That's a great feeling to have, right? That's the right. end con consumer feedback we are getting. So I feel that we are at a great time right now. And uh, talking about the exact question what you asked, like uh, the industry standards also, right? If you look at it and the uh, industry adoption, what specifically you asked for, even in the Gartner's hype cycle, you can see that it is at the peak right now. That means that uh, it's no more uh, good to have kind of a capability in organization. It is becoming the first citizen, wherein right. intelligence is gonna get embedded into every workflow that we are gonna have. So that's the great uh, thing about uh, where we are today and how uh, we can foresee the future to come with that. Uh, you know, I was uh, curious about two things you mentioned. You said the data, compute, infrastructure. Those are the three points. And you said cloud. So I'm guessing cloud is in infrastructure, right? Cloud right. comes on in. So data mm -hmm. comes in infrastructure. Uh, so, so what has happened here? Uh, I understand we can handle uh, a lot of data. What has happened on the compute and infrastructure end? What kind of changes have accelerated this, this particular yeah. surge, especially in India? Yeah, I think uh, I'll tell you one more thing. Like, uh, if you take AWS as one of the examples, right? Like now, Mumbai is a, a AWS region which is very, very much available to us at near coast. And uh, earlier, it used to be mostly on east coast, west coast of US. Then it started expanding globally. I think uh, now AWS has specific regions within India, and a lot of services made available to India. The reason I'm saying that is uh, to create 
a region within a country, it means to showcase the kind of work we are doing, the scale at which we are doing, and the consumers we have for that particular service, because it's a costly affair to have a new region developed across. So okay. this also proves to point that um, cloud, AIML, all these kind of new technologies are expanding drastically in India, right? I think I've seen like 30, 40% of the new startups are AIMLB, indirectly or directly. Can you give some examples? What did you mean by that? Uh, most of them are uh, AIMLB. I think um, uh, there's few of them. Suki is one of them, which we follow very closely. Uh, it's even though driven by uh, the inventors in US. I think uh, even there's a lot of um, intersections of kind of work we are doing. Um, we, we do a lot of... Um, I don't know the exact names of the companies which are being led in India right now by the innovators, but uh, yeah. I'm, I can pretty sure think about a lot of them which are coming in. Like I was almost uh, at a point where I wanted to start a, a healthcare company in India when I came back from US. We had a partnership and uh, we wanted to look at it, but I became the consultant and it never took off due to whatever reasons it was there at that point of time. So I think if I can see myself at that place even 10 years back, I think now right. it's, it's a totally different ball game where we are. So uh, what does it take to, uh, you know, handle MLE life cycle complexities? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, machine learning, I believe is not so straightforward. I worked with a couple of problems here in the US, uh, aggregating data is a problem, labeling data is a problem, uh, removing bias is a problem and categorizing data and, you know, make, making sure it's explainable. You know, there are so many things which go into mm -hmm. it. If I want to be an AI startup founder, you know, what are these complexities? How do I prepare for any sort of venture in AI? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, so the, there's, a, there's a big shift, right? Like if you look from a normal applications, we have Windows application, we have web applications, we have mobile applications. And uh, people tend to think that we are talking about machine learning applications, right? It should be on similar lines, but it's not the case. Because okay. uh, intelligence is something which is iterative. That means we don't get it right the first time and okay. it's not the same the second time. So you need okay. to have process which continuously learns and keep enabling the process moving forward from there. So that's a huge difference of how we need to look at uh, ML applications towards the uh, other legacy and the standard applications that we are building in. And one of the key aspects of a platform, right, when you talk about it, is how do we make it easy for the user and how do we automate most of the process we are looking at? I think one of the keywords you might have already heard about DevOps is something which has evolved quite a lot and it's very effective with the way the standard applications are being uh, pushed across in a platform to scale. Similarly, we need something known as an MLOps or a data ops, is what we call, wherein how do we how do we operationalize our machine learning models, right? How do we bring these models to the scale? So the complexities with this is, um, uh, it's an iterative process that it has different um, aspects of the life cycle. Like I need to do a lot of EDU, right? And uh, it is not a standard process. Like how you perceive the data is totally different from how I perceive. So each data scientist have a different way of working with it. And if you go and say that, this is the best one for you. It is a tool which you're creating, which no consumer will consume. Because there right. is no magic brand for it that says that this is the only way in which you can do it. 
So the flexibility which is needed with machine learning platforms is huge that you can go to and fro with it. But still, once you give flexibility, it has to be responsible because it has to have some definition, some baselines that it can go through with the rest of the process, right? That's what we are trying to define, the thin line, which is gonna help them get the customization which is needed, but still have an automation process embedded into it that it becomes easy for us once a model is built to get deployed and we monitor that, to go forward from that. Right, you used the word ED. What did you mean by that? Oh, EDA, exploratory data analysis. That's the first step of uh, how we explore the data to identify what features are needed for which model and how we develop for it. So that's what I meant. Right, that's more paperwork. It's more like product feature description. Uh, It's a little bit more complex here because uh, if you look at this process, right, the data cleansing and data preparation actually takes 70% of our time to develop a model. Running an algorithm, identifying an algorithm is a smaller task compared to preparing the data. So EDA helps us in prepare the right data which is needed in the right format so that we can take it forward from there. So that is the area which I was talking about there. I see. So uh, for a startup founder or for a person who's doing a Mm -hmm. first time venture in AI, they need to be uh, aware of this fact that there is a, a complex process called EDA, which is useful for defining the model one then 70% of the time goes in preparing the data for the algorithm to run. So, so let's look at this 70% time. Why does it take 70%? You know, I've never understood how can you learn something and rest on it? You have to keep continuously learning and how can you build a model on a constantly learning system? I never understood that. Like you can't yeah. model human thought process, can you? It's evolving, it's continuous. It's uh, receiving and it's learning and then it's responding. So what did you mean by modeling here? What exactly is modeling? What is data data preparation? Yeah, I'll come to modeling on a little bit uh, later stage. But I think uh, the one thing which we normally get is the data, right? Which is the first part of it. So the data is normally both structured and unstructured. Structured data is very easy for us to handle it. It's the unstructured data which normally uh, causes a lot of problems. Like for example, right, uh, from a machine learning perspective, even a Word document is data. An image is a data. A video is a data. And in healthcare, X-ray is a data. Um, We have interconnected devices. So the device uh, provides us data to what we are looking at. We have like Fitbit, right? We have the Apple Watch, which provides data for us. So first thing is we have Sorry. You're talking about IoT now. You're, you're getting IoT. into IoT. Yeah, I, IoT is also one of the sources of data that we consume, which becomes a part of the feature engineering that we can take it to create models. For example, I did a, uh, you put a very good point. I did a small app, like how do we build interconnected uh, machine learning models? For example, right? We are thinking about uh, uh, heart attacks being the, one of the key areas where I think uh, it's the second most deadliest disease, I think, which is there. And uh, how do we, how do we, um, and it has the golden hour, right? The one hour window where we want to identify a patient if he's going to get a heart attack or not, right? Like, how do we do that? People can be at any place at any time and the heart attack can happen to them. And that is a very good use case where we are looking at, like, if I have a um, health buddy, 
kind of a device like Apple device or anybody, right? Who is connected to you at all times. And that's giving stats for you against a machine learning model, which is uh, giving weightage for each of the stats which is coming in, identifying are you at a high risk or at a low risk, right? Do you need a immediate intervention or you can have a intervention over a period of time? So this is where we are bringing it to the edge. We call it as the edge devices. That means that it's within you that this kind of intelligence comes to the consumer directly that they don't have to go to a hospital. They don't have to uh, log into an application and have something done for that, right? It's readily available for them and at the time when they need it. So that's where IoT also plays a very, very important role that uh, I just gave one example. I have numerous like, it's like any, now, now I think even the whole houses are interconnected, right? Like uh, I can automate a process. So this is where I'm bringing a platform capability where I detected a anomaly, right? Which created an alert and an alert can be defined with an action that could be life-saving. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of difference we want to bring interconnecting all these technologies, right? Like cloud is also part of it because it provides an infrastructure that I can connect different dots together. AI and ML provides you the intelligence, right? IoT provides the devices that I can collect the data. So all these things are coming together now to where we are going with it. Awesome. Okay, so let's go back. You were talking about uh, managing data, preparing data for uh, getting ready to prepare your model. So let's let's go back then. Uh, please continue. Yeah, sure. So I was talking about the unstructured and the structured data, right? Then one of the other common problems what we face uh, face is um, bad data. Right. Yes. It's uh, we get a lot of bad data which need to be cleansed. So right. first thing is, um, uh, if you look at, I, I want to take examples of healthcare. The data is in terabytes, petabytes. That's right. huge amount of data which is coming in. So first, you right. need to have a capability that you can consume that data. We call it as the ingestion of the data. Ingestion Once of the data comes, yeah, you need to. Uh, define a format for both the structured and the unstructured data that it can become standardized, normalized, and right. brought into a format where people can start consuming that. So we call right. it as a standardization and the normalization process for it. Once right. your data is consumed, you normalize and standardize it, that's when it needs to be made available in a way it's easy for you to work with it. So we have a lot of pipelines, we have a lot of data transformations, which all happens at this point of time. And then it comes to a structured data that you can just go and do a select query on that. That becomes a starting point of it. So that's how the platform makes it easy for you to consume a data which is unstructured and at different places. You bring it together, you make it into a normal structured format and make it easily available for them. So this is where I'm talking about the complexities which we are trying to make it easy for any consumer. Here, the consumer is my data scientist or a data analyst who wants right. to work on the data and draw insights out of it. So this looks, I, I talked to you in two minutes on this, but in reality, it's very scary, right? I need to, I have a different pipeline for my Word documents. I have a different pipeline for my images. I have a different pipeline as to how I want to process a video which is coming in. And right. yeah, and each one has a different challenges and different limitations which goes with it. So um, that's where, um, that's from a platform perspective, but from an EDA perspective, right? Um, drawing insights, right? I can, I can have different lenses put to that same data.
This is end of podcast part 1 with Uttam Ramamurthy from Cerner Corporation India bringing you insights on cutting edge AI research and next gen AI platforms. Thank you for listening and I will be posting part 2 of the podcast shortly. Thank you for listening to the podcast 10x hacks for startup and venture success. This is your host Vida Patel. I'm bringing you interviews of investors and founders from Silicon Valley and across the globe. This podcast takes a lot of time and effort, so please support this by uh, liking and sharing this post and signing up to and subscribing to my podcast and my LinkedIn page on 10x hacks. Thank you very much.